Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, and welcome to From Queer to Eternity, a podcast exploring what it means to us to be queer. My name's Scott Hancock, and every episode I'll be chatting to a different guest from the LGBTQ community, talking about their lives, experiences, and what queerness means to them, and hopefully discovering just how much we all have in common. Due to the nature of these conversations, certain themes, phrases, or experiences discussed may be upsetting for some of our listeners, but generally we're here to celebrate queerness in all its forms, and have a good time sharing our stories. This episode, I'll be chatting with... Samantha Bayart. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Scott. How are you? Very excited, very nervous. Oh, oh yeah. don't be nervous. <laughs> it's lovely to, to hear you. I've, I mean, we've chatted a little bit in lockdown, but you were one of the last people I actually saw before lockdown happened as well. Before the end times. Bumping into each other at yes. Paddington. Yes. Yes, it was one of my last... Human faces. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was off to... Um... Some sort of tech meetup, I think. And I, yeah, we passed each other and we went, we shan't hug. That's it. We shan't hug. Hello. <laughs> we've both got to be somewhere, but it's so lovely to gossip. Um, <laughs> it's great to hear you again. Um, I'm going to begin by um, starting with the question I ask everybody is what does the word queer mean to you? Ha, huh, it's an interesting question because I think it's changed a lot over my lifetime. So mm. um, when I was really young, it was a slur. As I got older and, uh, you know, by the time I went to university, people were claiming that back. And that meant, you know, a non-heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. And I think now it, it seems to mean um, minority genders and, and sexualities. So it's really changed from when I was a kid. And I know, like, depending on context, it's still a slur to some people. And other people find it really empowering. So. And just in terms of yourself, how do you define yourself? I just say non-binary. I guess it comes under the T bit of LGBT, but I just say that it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting chat. It's such a broad term. Mm. And I know within that there are like a billion different genders to choose from. But but I'd say by definition, probably not best to uh, commit yourself to one of those, you know, any fluidity. I think that's it. It's, it's uh, something everyone's still sort of learning to understand. It, it's still relatively recent. Yeah, for me, I, I hadn't heard the term until about five years ago. Mm. So I've had all this adulthood, all this childhood without having a word <laughs> to say what I am. So, yeah, it's been a, quite the journey. That's it. T- talking about the journey uh, and your sort of personal journey, just to set the scene, what was your childhood like? You know, where did you grow up? What was your family like? It's, it's been interesting. I've been sort of learning how to be British, if that makes sense. So I was born here. I was born in North London. Um, my mother's Jamaican. My father, my late father, was Irish. Mm. Um, that leads to comments about fiery arguments in the house. Yes, they were. Good music <laughs> and food, though. So I grew up with sort of more their sensibilities. And it was only later when I was in, sort of in academia and, and then into the acting world that I really got exposure to a majority of of white middle class people i grew up in tottenham which is sort of I think quite famously very mixed mm. there's a sort of lack of well i think by definition I, I i don't i don't have a sense of nationalism no you know i was born here i grew up here and everything but i've got a very strong parental influence on that and by definition i can't belong to one country right because i'm very mixed so i found that quite liberating and again it was only later when that that sort of gets called into question looks wise I'm, I'm sort of quite ambiguous looking uh, it, which I quite enjoy because it freaks the racists out that whole sort of <laughs> I can't carry on the question until I know where you're really from I, I've quite enjoyed that and I've maximized on that as much as I could um, not so great for the British acting industry though not for the visual arts in terms of gender um, I mentioned, you know, that my mother's Jamaican I think uh, femininity in Jamaica might be quite different from uh, a middle-class English mm. idea of femininity as as I think other countries in Europe and around the world. So these things are always sort of contextual because 
you know, she had short hair and wore trousers and so did I. And that was cool. Um, but she's still considering her um, identity and expression. She would, she's very feminine. Mm. So, you know, it was, I was sort of allowed to do anything. But at three years old, apparently, according to my mum, I said to her, Mummy, I wish I had a willy. Oh, <laughs> she said, there we go. Sorry, what? And I said, because then I'd be allowed to do what I wanted to do. So that early on, I was being obviously being chastised, probably for the way I was sitting or behaving <laughs> or something. You know, you can tell, you know, free to do anything. And then they put you in a dress. Yeah. And then you can't sit the way you want. You can't climb trees anymore. You can't roll around. All of that. And it seemed a bit odd to do that to a to child. So I've I've always been a bit questioning of the old assigned gender role since I was very young. Mm. Um, I think it would please a lot of people to to think that I wanted a willy. I, I don't actually want a willy. I just knew if I had one that I'd have a bit more freedom on the old expression. When did you sort of first consciously realise? It's only really in the last four or five years I've become aware of the word non-binary. So I've gone through my entire childhood, mm. early adulthood, into my 30s without having that word. And so I, I would have said the closest I got to it was like a, a gender non-conforming woman, right? But really not conforming at all. I studied A-level psychology and gender was a huge part of the syllabus, which that's what really, you know, got me onto this journey of self-discovery, I suppose. There were so many case studies about... Um, you know, people not being the, the gender that they were assigned at birth and making that distinction between sex and gender. Mm. And, and that was so I had a head start on that. I knew I knew that, you know, gender is a social construct. That's that's something I've heard for like half my life. I've been very aware of that. And I very much agreed with that, too. That I would say is the first. And then the second big one is when I went to university, I studied literature and they gave us this list of binaries. And they were split into masculine and feminine. And they were things like assertive, submissive, sun, moon, light, dark, extrovert, mm. introvert, those sort of things. And I was thinking, what you've done is you've got all the good things. <laughs> and you've just given them to the men. What the hell is that about? And then you've told me that it's really natural, really natural that because I've got this body that I should feel and behave in this way. And it was always, it was never a problem. And I think that's the... Um, great privilege of being assigned female at birth there's a lot more room for me to be gender fluid than there is if someone who's assigned male at birth a lot more i can walk down the street and wear what i like in london i'm not going to get anything you know i'm not going to get any yes. trouble so maybe there wasn't a need for a word or needs because i wasn't being chastised by anybody the third the biggest one was at drama school where i was told again and again that i was doing gender wrong before, right <laughs> before they had the word gender so my first feedback session with the head of the acting department was well sam if we need a butch dyke i know where to find one and i thought all oh, right i'm screwed for casting <laughs> i no, i thought you've well, you've never met one you've clearly never met a butch dyke and if that's if that's the casting bracket um i can't think of any of the great butch dykes in society it's also you know a way to try and shame me um mm. i didn't care what people thought my sexuality was they had no evidence for it either but um i was more hurt by the, the, the fact they were trying to shame me for it and I remember by the end of drama school this is why I mentioned race as well so I had no real sense of identity I was always okay with it it was other people that weren't okay with it and I remember like being not being able to categorize myself you know I can go and do the acting but in, if you want me to change myself I'm going to find that quite objectionable and I went in and I went I just don't know who I am as a person I have, I have, you know, I can't put myself in these boxes that you're asking me to. I can't live inauthentically. And I was told to go and get therapy. So Always useful. Just yeah, uh, so put was... you through the ringer and then let yourself sort it out. And I know everyone comes out the other end of drama school, like completely discombobulated. But like to get it on, on your gender and your race and like just everything, it was, it was quite overwhelming. It's taken me a very long time to sort of work out as well as not having the actual words. Mm. And yeah, I think if you met me in the last oh, three, four years at uh, an event, um, probably in the tech or the game space, uh, where people wear name badges and pronouns, that's when you start to see the non-binary thing happening. I'm starting to meet people with they pronouns. And I think, oh, maybe that's for me. Maybe I should try that. Maybe I'm too long in the tooth to start asking everyone or correcting everyone because that's going to be exhausting. So some people listening to this won't be surprised at all. And I think a lot of people will be. And sorry, I'm not into chicks. Sorry to <laughs> break a million hearts. But I imagine a lot of people think I'm about to come out as lesbian, but I'm not. So you were wrong. No, I'm interested there. You'd mentioned how at drama school 
they said, right, well, clearly, Butch Dyke, that's your bracket. <laughs> Did you ever, when people were responding to you in that way, actually think, am I gay and just haven't yeah. realised it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the other thing about um, doing psychology A-level is you find out about something called the Kinsey scale, which mm. you may or may not be aware of. So everyone's on this spectrum. And I think because I didn't know what a gender was, everything was your sex. I thought, well, obviously what that means is everyone's born bisexual and then you're forced by society or necessity to pick a side. That's what it was. I don't know where this came from. It was a very odd theory. I was, uh, I would go to gay bars anyway. Um, the T wasn't in there yet. It was LGB. No mm. one questioned me. It was cool. Like no one had a problem with me being in there. I felt so comfortable. Probably the lack of male gays uh, in the room. Like if, if lesbians were predatory, they were really, really subtle about it but just the fact that i could just exist and no one's no one gives a shit that i'm there and i can just be myself so i always felt very comfortable in in, in queer spaces and uh now i know why but at the time yeah i kissed a few girls felt nothing uh i was very disappointed i felt everything would make a lot more sense if i'd been bisexual um and that being said obviously i've got no problem playing anyone of any sexuality because love is love and i have empathy so <laughs> But also you make that distinction between sex and gender. And for a lot of people, non-binary falls under the T in LGBT. Was actually, they're very different things, I think. And I think it depends who you ask mm. as well. So like to split gender up further and hopefully no more than this, I, I split it up in terms of gender expression and identity. So expressions like how you appear on the outside and identity is how you feel on the inside. And a little bit of pronouns as well. So there are some... Um, non-binary people who go through surgeries and take hormones um i'm i feel very fortunate in that i don't have any dysphoria with my body mm. at all i'm grateful for the meat sack it works i don't think about it. when i'm asked to think about it and then it gets a bit you know when i'm in a group of women and they talk about getting power from their wombs i have i don't know what they're talking about and i feel like i'm going to be outed and kicked out and fake and <laughs> right. discovered so yeah it's it gets more and more complicated as you go in but like it's I've been talking to people who think they might be non-binary but aren't sure because they don't they don't want to use they them pronouns which shows you already we're starting to categorize this and the whole point of non-binary yes. is that it's, it's completely not, fluid and, <laughs> it's yeah. completely fluid so I get why it falls under T because it's it's non-cis but I think within that and I think you know any young people listening you you want to find where you belong right and there's that real need to find a label for yourself even if it's transitory but so i completely understand for now i just say non-binary if i if i told you all the labels i thought i was this would be even longer interview so <laughs> we're not going to do that but um it then allows me to change my mind every day which i do i question mm. and i think one thing that i think at least that all non-binary people have in common is they question their validity all the time do i belong here am i just a fake will i get found out Maybe I just want attention, you know. And, and then, of course, you've got people telling you all of, that, of, all of that on the top. That's a big fear of, of like, even me doing an interview on the record like this, is that someone will just tell, tell me I'm making it up and I just want attention. But, you know, so what? <laughs> One thing I found quite interesting talking to uh, a number of people now is university or rather, you know, hitting adulthood is when they tend to more openly question themselves and discover themselves I think it's possibly because, particularly in the era that we were growing up, there was no information even about LGB issues, never mind mm. trans non-binary. Do you think, particularly in the last five years, that's changed a bit? Do you wish you'd had more access to that kind of material when you were growing up? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> if I had access to the people I have access to, whether in person or online, I mean, God, to be a teenager online and just find your tribe like that, right? Mm very enviable i may well have dropped the she pronoun it's just i'm so used to it and i really can't be and I, i'm also because i'm lazy and um my gender expression like you know i'm feminine looking all right and i'm not gonna change that just so people might call me they mm. right you know it's just for me it's not worth it it's, it's partly you know I'm, I'm saying that very flippantly it's also like there's a lack of dysphoria as well so for some people that stuff's life and death and for me it's not and I'm very fortunate in that aspect. I think if I was starting again I might be a bit more militant about they them pronouns or neo pronouns or whatever I wanted to try. I wouldn't have been so used to she. I'm so used to she. I'm putting it in there and I'm giving people an out. Maybe I'm being too soft but you know like 
in typical non-binary fashion, I'm not fast, you know. Yes. <laughs> it could go either way. But yeah, that would have been great. I mean, I've always been hanging out with the queer kids. I've just found myself hanging out with them, you know, and 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 felt very comfortable and not judged in the way that I may have found myself around um, cis women. But then even like, it's not even gender sometimes, you know, some, I have completely different conversations with, um, you know, bisexual and lesbian women and everything in between. So I, I don't know, but I, obviously I socialised female for a very long time mm. um, and in and very cis ways. But yeah, I've I always found the group of, of gay kids <laughs> just fitted in and no one ever questioned, no one assumed, no one questioned. And now I know where I, I fit on the rainbow, which feels like I'm sort of hanging on on the end of the rainbow. No. Thank, thanks for having me. No, 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 no. <laughs> In terms of coming out as non-binary, I think society is more familiar with the idea of gay, lesbian, bisexual, and, and more so recently trans issues, but non-binary is still very new. So how easy is it to come out as non-binary when actually a, for a lot of society they're still not really sure what it means? So, yeah, the major- I think the majority of people are happy with the binary, right? They, they, they mm. identify with whatever they you know, what's commonly associated with their appearance and, and all the rest. So to sort of go, yeah, I'm going to explode that. I don't I don't ascribe to the boxes. It can be seen as quite, I think it's seen as threatening and confrontational. That's the only way I can explain some of the uh, more aggressive behaviour or dismissive behaviour. I mean, just live and let live. Just don't hurt other people. Mm. It's quite simple, isn't it? Um, but yeah, there's some real reactionary stuff among, I mean, there are different degrees of, of, of getting that. Um, and I'll say again, I'm very privileged to uh, be in a body that allows me to be very fluid about it and people don't really care. Mm. It's, it's interesting. It's actually something I wanted to mention. Like you, so I see a lot in the tech space that there are events for women and non-binary people. Those events, I've, I've never seen a, a signed male at birth non-binary person in those spaces. And I've never seen um, in, in sometimes in gender minority groups i don't see trans men and they'll be questioned on entry you know and you just think just because someone's using the right words it it seems doesn't mean that they're fully enlightened about everything so even that becomes a thing so the the way that that uh, mixed race for example in uh, casting in this country is a very specific look it's a really specific one way to look, even though by definition it should be quite wide. It's not. I think that's already starting to creep in to definitions of, of gender minorities and what that should look like. And, you know, when a trans person is also non-binary, that really freaks people out and they don't know how to handle that. And there are very few media representations of anyone under the trans umbrella. Mm. Um, I'm seeing what I'm seeing now is that um, non-binary seems to mean androgynous which is a look, yes, <laughs> not, not an identity necessarily. You know, as much as I wanted to grow up to look like uh, David Bowie or Grace Jones. <laughs> Unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet. I'm still waiting, but um, maybe that would have been easier. But, you know, I think they were both cis. So, you know, just looking androgynous doesn't make you, you know, and it's becoming this crossover. And to answer your question in a really roundabout way, just in casting, I was asked by uh, someone on the LGBT committee some time ago if I was up for create helping create uh, um, a non-binary category. So you'd have male, female, non-binary. And I thought, I'm having trouble getting cast as a cis woman, which is what I look like. Mm. <laughs> Am I ruling myself out? I mean, we're 0.8% of the population in the UK, I believe. I may be wrong, but I think that's what it is at the moment. Yeah. Am I just making it even harder for myself? You know, all of that. What What is non-binary representation on TV? Do you want it to be that's like all that character talks about? You know, as we said, there are things about ourselves that maybe we take for granted. We don't have these long conversations about being LGBT. It just doesn't come up sometimes. Mm. So... You know, it being at the forefront of this stuff, you, then you start to feel this huge responsibility on, on these things. It's partly why, you know, I wanted to get involved with this is, is you know, if it helps somebody, if somebody like is especially, it might look the, the gender they've been assigned, but feels different and is starting to question the validity of that non-binary feeling. I think hopefully this, this conversation will help them because that's kind of where I am. You hit upon a really interesting idea there of people equating non-binary with appearing androgynous in the same way for years i think society was comfortable with gay men if they happened to be very camp and fey or you know traditionally lesbians equals butch dyke and obviously this is not the case at all but did you feel any expectation to change 
how you appeared to society when you latched on to the sort of non-binary identity? I don't have the dysmorphia. I no. It's the short version. I just don't have that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. But um, I think, um, here's something controversial. Some of the young'uns are feeling pressure to at least appear more androgynous. And to me, that seemed, there is a uniform and that swings masculine. Um, and there is a look. There's a certain look because I, I think I got called out on it once. I met a very, um, let's say, conventional, more conventional, non-binary looking person. And I said I was non-binary. And they said, but you're wearing a dress. <laughs> I'm in drag. <laughs> but you know, the idea that I then have to appear in a certain way to the world, screw the world, mm. do what I want. You know, and I just thought that was really, that it's already being policed by people. They didn't mean to be mean, but like, they couldn't get their head around it. And I thought you of all people should be able to get your head around it. Yeah, sometimes it's a trouser day. Sometimes it's a dress day. Yes. It doesn't really matter. It's just clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of visibility as an actor, you've already sort of Ugh. touched upon this. What's your experience of being a sort of NB performer been like, especially in terms of casting? I mean, I suppose there's a bigger conversation here about race as well. Uncastable. <laughs> so people, I can play um, um, in American sci-fi shows or Aliens. I think I found my casting bracket, but... Yeah, when I was a kid, it was Sarah Connor and uh, uh, Ripley, right? Mm. But apparently, no, not allowed to do that. That's not the woman you're going to grow into. I don't know. Uh, that seemed to not be allowed. And uh, I was chastised for being too strong, capable, and <laughs> all the things you're supposed to want to be if you're a cis woman. But I mean, if a role said, you know, if you identify as this, we'd love the authenticity of that. Mm. But if you're starting to put, cat like, again, you're putting more categories on things, boxes, does that mean you're not allowed to play? You know, it's like we've talked about um, straight people playing gay people. Yes. I want to see, you know, trans women playing cis women as well. I don't care. I think it's like, that's what I, that's where I'd like to get to, you know. Is there an apprehension that if you openly identify that way in the current climate, you will only find yourself offered those kind of roles exactly that very much so and and if those roles require me to look androgynous I, i'm excluded from that as well mm. um what i will say is that very early on in my career when i was looking for monologues or you know audition pieces that sort of thing i found it so hard to find, find something i could connect to the um normally male written concerns of the female characters were very far away from my lived experience right I just couldn't find myself in them and I know that as a as a storyteller you know or as a kind of storyteller that that um I feel certain stories have been told a lot more than others and I was very careful to to perhaps try and present something new before I had the words for it right hmm. ingenues I didn't want to play ingenues <laughs> so that was like 99% of the casting out of the window what I was getting asked for was exotic nude ladies Right, that's what the casting type was. There was nudity required every time. And once you hit like thirty, they're not interested. They don't. Nudity is not required to tell the story anymore. It's a kind of weird magic in in casting. Um, so I would seek out different roles. I would seek out things that interested me. And um, I got to play uh, the eponymous hero of Silence by Moira Buffini. That was a real career highlight. Very nice. Uh, in which a Viking boy finds out on his wedding day that he's a girl um, and doesn't change, doesn't change in the gender expression or identity or anything. And she wrote that back in 99, 2000. And I just found that really liberating. And I just remember the cast, um, sorry, the director saying afterwards, uh, long after we were into production, that when I walked into the audition room, I, he just saw a lad. He just saw this lad. <laughs> I, was very, I just walked in in joggers and a T-shirt and I was like, you all right, mate? You know, <laughs> that was it. I got the role. So, okay, all right. It's not, and it wasn't exactly playing a man, right? Mm. It was someone who was socialised male, and then you know, it's a lovely little play, by the way. Have to check it out. And I got to, I got to do a workshop called Trans Shakespeare, which made it very hard to go back to women's roles, right? Because you realise all the men have the really decent stuff, <laughs> um, and it's really interesting how people assert their gender. I mean, I guess I get, you know, Shakespeare was always queer, right? The, the original performers would have all been boys. They always assert their gender as a woman. This is how I feel. And then the men mm. say, as a man, this is a manly thing to do. And it's really interesting how they all assert their genders. Uh, so that it gets you thinking on this sort of 4, 4D level as well. That was great. That opened things up for me too. And then you had, you know, those productions at the Donmar where they did all the, those all-female productions um, set in prison, all the, the Shakespearean productions where, you know, gender's then open. 
it just becomes very open to everybody. And then I, I did a production of The Tempest where I played Trinculo and Miranda. So I was on stage for about two thirds of the time and I just got to flip male to female and it was just so much fun and I loved it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it and it was because I was, playing, I was I was making them quite extreme as well it was just a great space to play so within that within casting I've, I've managed to find things but you're straight up commercial theatre that's not going to be there mm. for me um, you know and it's it'd be interesting to get typecast as the non the non-binary actor or the gender fluid actor but I, I don't see it at the moment it's just I'm an actor though I'm an actor, can play yes. other things, even if I seem to be one thing, which is apparently quite masculine, can pretend to be other people just for any casting directors listening. Hello, it's Mr. P here. And the other Mr. P. And we are the hosts of two Mr. P's in a podcast. The educational podcast where you don't actually learn a thing. No, instead we explore the weird, wonderful and downright hilarious things that happen in school from people actually doing the job. We reminisce on our own time at school, funny things we experience each day. And of course, we share your hilarious stories from the chalk face. So if you work in a school or just want a nostalgic trip down memory lane, sit up straight, fingers on lips, and get ready for the lesson. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot of your career that I'm familiar with, you've worked in audio, where I imagine separated from the visuals, it's a lot easier to be fluid and take on different roles. I have been so lucky in order to do audio to actually have, sort of have to specialise in audio because mainstream you know, visual media haven't really shown an interest. I've, I've gone into audio and the, the range of roles I've been able to play has been astounding like no one gets mm. to do that unless you know they're one of a handful of male hollywood actors you know get to put the fat suit or the nose on or whatever they have to you know they they get to do it there's a handful <laughs> of men that get to do it and meryl streep but like everyone else dreams of playing this range and i have i've played a really huge range of people of people mainly with yourself <laughs> well i have to and, say it's it's certainly not true of, of everyone or, or every actor even but you're fantastically versatile vocally and there's part of me that thinks I was sort of almost subconsciously aware of your fluid nature long before even you may have been, because I, I sort of knew I could cast you as, you know, the 40-something spinster, yeah, yeah. Uh, happily married, or give you more masculine characters yeah. in this. And, and you, you know, vocally could rise to the challenge. One of the main reasons I got into acting in the first place was it was a safe place for me to explore parts of myself that it may not be safe to do so outside of that safe space. I found it very cathartic. Again, I didn't have a name for it, but it was, you know, um, I think, you know, men are allowed to be angry, right? That's the one emotion they have. <laughs> oh, yes. We're furious. That's it. You're not allowed any other emotion, right? And like, then women have 
a lot of the rest, but there's also certain things they're not they're not allowed to be strong. I found out apparently in British storytelling or whatever mm. casting bracket I'm in. So I got in 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 audio. I got you know, and a lot of it's sci-fi, right? And there seems to be a lot more breadth of expression in that as well. You know, and that's the tough chick thing that I'm I'm inheriting. That those yes. people exist. The Ripley sort of yeah yeah vibe. So I've played, you know, I've played Ripley a few times in different ways and it's been fantastic. <laughs> I've loved it um, in a way that really no one gets to again and again in slight, in, in different ways. Mm. So I feel very fortunate I've been able to. And again, in games, it's, it's the same thing. And that's just been lovely. I, I'd like more of it. But um, otherwise, no complaints, uh, no typecasting. And I think audio allows that as well, unless you've got a really, really distinctive voice, I think. I'd say a lot of actors don't, voice actors wouldn't find themselves typecast unless they have that really distinctive voice. Did you find before sort of identifying as non-binary, you felt typecast because of your race as well? Yeah, so mixed race, but not looking the way they think mixed race is. Yes, incredibly. Unless I was nude, in which case it really didn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a lack of typecasting. And I always thought it was just me. And then I started going to, you know, meetings for... um, so-called BAME people mm. and like we all look so different and we'd all had the same thing you don't look XYZ enough you don't look British you don't look like a Londoner perhaps you could pass for nationality I've just pulled out of thin air you know there's all that sort of we've all had that experience and again hopefully like like you know the point of this uh, series of interviews the point is that maybe we can find a, a universality or commonality that, that we weren't aware of before mm. but it's actually quite a common experience um, for a lot of people, a lot of actors in this country, I'll just say this: that uh, particularly the the casting industry in this country, uh, maybe the the whole decide where the power lies. It's it's a particular uh, experience that's that's uh, getting to call the shots, that is getting to name these categories, that's getting to enforce them. Mm. Um, and until everything is diversified from every level, not just casting, everything, every layer of power, then you're never going to get that true representation and authenticity that apparently everybody's after there's a real big shake-up that needs to happen we talk about casting so much and again it's that appearance Mm. it's that appearance that everyone's so obsessed with it's not it's got to happen at every level i suppose within drama itself a lot of people think if oh if you're going to tell a non-binary story or have non-binary characters that has to be their defining characteristic they have to drive the story rather than just go do you know what maybe we could have a character who as you say one day wears trousers next day wears dresses we never don't really need to address it yeah as you've seen with you know gay characters we've seen this we've seen it go from their sexuality defines them to it being a passing comment i think it was um oh i'll get i'll get i think it was caprica if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it wasn't Battlestar Galactica. I think it's the very first episode of Caprica. And um, we're getting to know the main characters. And um, yeah, he's w- walking along with his tough guy uncle. And he mentioned his husband. And that's it. Mm. Just in a sentence, he's like, oh, Tony's going to be angry if I don't get in before dinner. And that's it. That's the only time you hear about it. And it's great. It marks it. It marks a normality in the acceptance um, but it doesn't become a defining characteristic of this character at all. Yes. And I'm everything that's cool. And look, oh yeah, it was in sci-fi. <laughs> Come on, everyone, catch up. But I think also, actually, to be fair, I think soaps have done a lot, actually have done a lot for, for the normalising of queer relationships. I think yes. they've actually been really good at it. And they're very mainstream. So play. And, yeah. yeah. I think writers are incredible, amazing people. I'm just very lucky to be the physical embodiment of that sometimes. But I think, I think it's very... Um, underappreciated it's a very uh, writing uh, writing fiction is a very underappreciated art um because of the you know the power it just has on people and i think yeah empathy you know that we know that reading books reading fictional books helps with empathy and i think um maybe a slightly more immersive storytelling style like theater and film and tv and all that and, and audio it's just another layer on top of that to help people empathize absolutely i think that's why soaps have been so powerful Talking of empathy and audio and science fiction, (laughs) one of the main things I've worked with you on is Tortured, you know, a lovely science fiction series created by the wonderful Russell T. Davies, and we brought it back to life on audio, and we've got a whole new team, including yourself, playing a character called Orr. Orr's quite a special character in a way. They were introduced in a script by Juno Dawson. Yeah, it's great placement in in the questioning, because playing Orr and being treated... um, you know, being referred to with they, them pronouns, which by then I thought I'd ruled out. Mm. I thought, I'm just, it's too much of a shift. 
I'm not sure, but it's one of those things, if you ask someone to do it, you might be asking them to do it permanently and, and then you're worried if I change my mind, oh God, it's too awkward. But playing or putting myself in their shoes and everyone calling them them and being kind and completely accepting and loving and um, just within the role itself, the idea of changing for other people, which is what I felt I'd always been doing. It was the easiest role that I've ever played. Hey, <laughs> Yes, there's some vocal trickery and all that sort of thing. But in terms of understanding someone who doesn't know what, what identity they have, which Juno put in the very first episode, I just clung to that so much and I just don't know if there was any psychic elements in, in the casting <laughs> of me because we'd not had this conversation I mean it helped me start to use they them pronouns it helped me be more confident in saying actually I'm non-binary I'm a different kind of non-binary mm. to the people I've met but I am and I know I am but you know Tortured is, is sort of for me is this alternative um, queer majority universe yes right? <laughs> you'd have to come out as straight yeah, and maybe have a difficult conversation. Yes. It's just that everyone is so accepting. I mean, most of the characters are on the queer spectrum, right? And and again, because of that, because there are so many, there isn't one person whose shoulders it's on to bear the burden of, of representing, mm. you know, millions and millions of people. So it was this really, you know, it's like finding the queer kids again. It's this really safe space. And yeah, when I originally received that script, I didn't know that I would identify so much with it. And uh, you, you know, you listen back to old interviews and I'm practically bouncing off the walls in the studio. <laughs> I just loved playing them so much because I was getting this euphoria of it. You know, it's a, it's a gift, gift of a role. And thank you. Because no, <laughs> it's really helped me find out who I am. It, it's an interesting one because, or for people who won't have heard uh, Torture. Go now and listen and then come back <laughs> and then listen to this. But that's it. They're an alien... Um, sort of slave in a way they, they have the ability to change their physical oh, yes. personality I should, I should explain but... it shouldn't i <laughs> so or always like a, the, the pleasure model you know uh, always created to be a companion for whoever they were uh bonded to they're essentially a slave mm. and they end up in on in cardiff of course always and are freed by the torchwood team in the very first episode and then become you know science officer essentially i think <laughs> that's it but depending on who you're with physically change into the person they most desire specifically that so it's a, a psychosexual polymorph i believe they are i, I said it a few times <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah it was interesting because when we were first talking about casting that role some people were saying well we should cast a, a trans actor mm. and my take from the script is or is very much not a trans character because that defines them in terms of gender as either you know, it's male fixed. or female. Yeah. Whereas yeah. they are very much the definition of fluid. <laughs> yeah. And they're comfortable with it. That's it. Physically and emotionally. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's a fascinating character to to play and, and pitch into that group. And, you know, the more we went along, you'd you'd find occasionally writers would slip in the, the she pronoun because they went, oh, well, it's Samantha playing it. Yes. And I know that if this is like on TV, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing it. They would cast someone androgynous. Mm. <laughs> For anyone who wants to do a live action, can you just get all the actors that did the, the audio, <laughs> just in case you're listening? We're dead good at it. No, but it's true. Like they would, they would because, well, I think we we talked about this. What would all look like? And I remember going, it looked like me. This is the form they've chosen. Yes. This is the neutral. This neutral is the or. default. Yes, neutral or looks like me, and then they change for whoever. And that's you know that's cool. I'm cool with that. <laughs> but yeah, if it was on TV, or would then of course would you know there'd be lots of room for guest actors to come in. Of course, yes. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. That or did settle eventually. Or does settle on on. Um, I think are more stable just so the other characters know who they're talking to, to be fair. And that was, again, quite interesting to go, oh, there's room to say it's an absence of form rather than, you know, settling on. Yeah, it's been really interesting playing them. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yes, I'm curious as well because I, I call you Sam anyway because I just do. But, you know, on Spotlight and everything, you're Samantha. Have you ever been tempted to credit yourself as Sam to be more sort of gender neutral? Um, I think, again, it's that whole thing of, um, in a way, for the reasons of capitalism and casting, <laughs> I have to fit into a bracket. Mm. that have, Someone has to look at that name and know immediately. Even though when I was writing before, when I used to write for like, I don't know, student newspapers and that, I'd love putting Sam 
because when someone realised they were talking to someone they thought was male and I watched them switch. Right. I loved all that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're disrespecting me. Now now you've got a point on my point and you're going to mansplain it to me. You know, I, I, I do love confusing people. Mm. <laughs> but unfortunately for acting, it's not been great. So um, I remember... It was Samantha Morton, actually, someone with the same first name, saying that she's a Sam, but um, she was advised to put Samantha so people knew. Mm. And I think that was that was the advice that I took. I took it upon myself and, and went with that. And do you think that's because visually you fit the sort of feminine bracket more? I'm not going to be cast as a man. No. Yeah, I'm just not. And I think if they say they were looking for a trans man, there's trans men. Go and cast them first. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's be fair. It's, you know, it's a branding, right? That's mm. what I've got now. So... Yeah, and to be again, like I said, I'd change my name. I'd change what I look like every day. It's not even like, oh, I want to find this comfortable androgynous bit in the middle. I want to look completely different every day. Mm. So <laughs> fashion will have to do for that for now. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I've I've made it so... I mean, I think people call me Sam automatically. I think people assume anyway. Oh, just lazy. Those Sam. two extra syllables yeah. are really hard it's, work. It's, I, I will say this. It's very helpful for me to have an, a genderless name like that, to have Sam. It's great. I've loved it. It's been a lot easier for me. Mm. If I had a name that couldn't be shortened to that, I think I'm, I might have changed it at some point. Yes. About it. Yeah. Away from acting, you immersed in the tech industry as well. How have you found this sort of NB experience there? Again, I, I found the queer kids in, in the tech industry. I found them. There are so many non-binary people in London in the tech scene, or I just know them all. Because <laughs> the numbers-wise, it's insane. It's great. But, you know, your peers are... And there's, a, there's plenty of trans people there in that space too. And mm. there's enough of us that we don't feel othered. Or, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but I don't think so. We don't have those conversations. Um, and actually, we don't really talk about being non-binary either. But there's, you know, these safe spaces and we do find each other. And it's partly because we go to events and you have space for a pronoun badge. Um, mm. In acting, you don't get to do that. You go to auditions. You might go to the theatre. I can't think of any sort of social events for actors where, like a networking event, where you'd be asked to consider people's pronouns. I've only seen that actually in, in the more con conventional workspaces, so conferences and meetups and that sort of thing. And I've never been to one for acting. So I wonder if that's the problem. I think we're missing out and I don't know what the answer is there, but that would help. That would help a lot of yes. people. It helped me in, in, in my muggle job. Sure. <laughs> Has there been anyone specifically in the media that you've seen that you've found quite useful? I think I'm just looking at my bookshelf and I've got um, Trans Like Me by C.N. Lester. Mm -hmm. I think they've been really interesting, but, you know, much younger. There's, there's very few people my age. Jamie Windust is amazing. Much younger, again. Um, I'd like to see more people bit older in their 30s perhaps and older and older mm. yeah maybe it's a lot to ask people to write books about their experience but um I, i'm very envious of the younger generation because that's their normal that's normal to them yeah. they've grown up with that vocabulary yeah yeah um hmm. i tend not to have heroes they only fall off the pedestal yes okay fair enough <laughs> no but you know I'm, I'm i have got like within games and tech particularly again because there are these spaces to chat i guess because you're not in competition with each other or at least it doesn't feel like that that you you just are you just people are a bit more open about who they actually are really and it's just very normalized i can't really explain and then, yeah so Things like, I don't talk about it on Twitter for some reason, and that needs to be sorted out, you know. Do you think it's because Twitter's generally quite an angry place? That's a generalisation, yeah, I know. Yeah, but... I could be incurring the wrath of some really mean people, and I don't want that in my life. Mm. Um, obviously, I'd back someone else up, but I'm not brave enough to actually... Oh, well, it's happened now, so it's all fine. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Again, it's that separation. It's a bit like the professional name, right? That's the branding. Mm. And I've gone, well, I'm stuck with that now. Um, and, you know, it's not like I was thinking, oh, would this destroy this interview? Will it destroy any chance? You know, my career playing cis women. I didn't have one. I didn't have a career <laughs> on TV, film, you know, theatre and all that, actually. So I was thinking, no, it's going to make no difference. It's cool. Um, you know, I've been socialised as a woman for a very long time, mm. even if I don't completely identify with it or at all. You've but, lived you know, that I, experience, I what, yeah. I know the behaviour. I know how to imitate one. <laughs> so, yeah, I just need to be a bit brave, I think. I think. I mean, this is what... I, it's interesting in, 
who it's come up between because there's people I've assumed that I told and then so if someone if I've caught someone being a great ally mm. I've privately messaged and gone by the way <laughs> but just so you know but my pronouns are she they so it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter but but good stuff just so you know and then there's other people who've known me like decades this will be the first time that they, they'll know about this because it hasn't come up in conversation mm. so that's do you know do you, I mean I don't know what it was like for you coming out do, do you have like do you give yourself a week or a month to like tell everyone or does it come out in conversation or? You, you never sort of stop coming out though do you it's like yeah, no. you know you'll get in a you cab constantly... and someone will talk about oh you having a weekend with your girlfriend or something like that and you just sort of go I'm not getting I'm not engaging with this and you feel really bad about it but uh yeah you've got to pick and choose and it's knackering right it's really exhausting and that's why <laughs> yeah personally and I think it's an age thing to be honest I haven't latched onto they I think I'd be so personally it would be so exhausting correcting people because I look female to them mm. and I'm not prepared to change that just correcting people all the time and, and also getting so comfortable with it that I then start to expect it and then I up, get upset when the outside world is because you know for all the the um, LGBT groups that I'm part of in various bits of the world who I could if I wanted to get them to exclusively call me they when I go back into oh, and I just creating another box for myself you know there's this sp safe space but outside of it mm. and then you know for someone who's already going am I really valid am I this enough <laughs> <laughs> it just makes it worse so I've allowed people <laughs> to mm. say she she they but that you know I'm used to she I'm really used to it so yeah do I then correct I don't most of the time I just sit there and feel really 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 uncomfortable and I don't really know what to do. So any tips, can you just tweet me and let me know <laughs> what to do without upsetting somebody, you know, or making a really big deal of it. It's, uh, yeah, it's constant coming out, isn't it? Should you choose to? You know, I had a situation quite recently where apart from me, everyone in a group was female and um, the people assessing us were all male and it was all, oh, ladies and oh, well, gentlemen. Okay, he's just talking about our genitalia. That's <laughs> having my mind on I feel so icky and gross. And I'm like, you know, if you don't, if you, you, you're giving them more chance to discriminate against us, just stop it. Stop telling them, you know, whereas they felt so comfortable. They loved it. Yeah. You know, they, that's their identity, you know. And what do I say in the middle of a meeting? Actually, I think you'll find. And then what? We have a big discussion for the people that have never heard of non-binary before and then they feel attacked. So uh, it's got to be pick your battles, isn't it? I mean, it sounds like you knew who you were at an early age, even if you weren't uh, sure how to express it within society. But how, how long do you think it took for you to be sort of truly comfortable in yourself? Or is it still a work in progress, do you think? I think I knew what I wasn't. <laughs> and it, it, it seems to be the absence of things which I'm also cool with but a lot of people aren't they don't like that ambiguity I would say it really was the it, it's been the last few years so I, I think I heard the word non-binary four or five years ago and I, th I just went to a tech event and it was like pick a badge put your name put your pronouns on it had no idea what that was but I looked around and I worked it out from context yep. right and that was the <laughs> normal that was normal and I started thinking, actually, maybe, but I'm not sure about they, them. And I, I won't know until I get someone to call me that. And then it's going to be really awkward. And someone's going to think I'm pretending and I'm looking for attention. And then I land the role of awe where everyone's calling me they. So I think that was it. I think I did have an awakening during that. Maybe not during recording, but shortly after. Really thinking about why I got so much out of that. Why it was... Um, you know, speaking those words seemed to be like my truth when I had a lovely scene in that first episode where uh, Jack Harkness says, you know, why don't you be your original form? And also says, I don't know who what that is. Mm. I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> that was a conversation I had, except, you know, uh, Captain Jack isn't telling me to go and get therapy. No. Captain Jack loves me anyway, right? And the whole torture team don't care and they love me anyway. So that was just like, oh, wow, that's where the euphoria It was a real acceptance through a bit of uh, storytelling and empathy, which is great. So I know that people have listened to that and found themselves whether, I mean, they don't have to be coarse, they have to be trans or non-binary. It's anyone that's ever felt like an outsider. So yeah, it consolidated. It was, it was knowing what the terms were. That was the first. It was knowing what the terms were. Because if I didn't know that, if I hadn't gone to meetups and conferences and knew what pronouns were, that might never have been found. I might have really enjoyed playing all and gone, yeah, I am non-conventional, aren't I? You know, still never had that word. So I think it was those two things coming together. So that's really the last couple of years. And then since or I'm saying maybe the last two years, I'm starting to use she and they interchangeably. It, it's lovely in a way that, you know, people talk about when they see themselves represented in drama. 
it makes an impact but it must have been so special to not only see it in drama but to be able to be the one playing it and discover that in yourself yeah i mean i think in non-binary circles we're a little bit aware that that we tend to be aliens and uh not human it would be nice to see the uh non-binary person in a human situation yes, perhaps a more domestic ag- sort of yeah again going back to the soaps the way they've handled it the normality of it is, is if it could be done in passing. Mm. But yeah, to see all get their pronouns respected in this sort of utopia, this gender-free utopia, we could create our own worlds of that. We could do that. Or yeah, you could have a character in a much more heteronormative setting who is accepted or who goes through a period of not. I mean, you could do those storylines. I think it's time because the trans thing is ugly in this country. So <laughs> we need to start We need to start creating some empathy for people. Mm. But yeah... Um, there is a trope. There is a trope of non-binary people being aliens. And and it's a great start. It is a it is a good start because we've allowed that. People feel for that character. They see the humanity in them. And now we just need to move that into the real world, I think. On that note, Sam, thank you so, so much for chatting with me this afternoon. It's been gorgeous fun. Thanks. I'm grinning from ear to ear and I'm really happy that I've done this. I was so scared. I just want to put that out there. It's not easy, especially when you've only been using a word for a few years and, um, you know, it sums you up so completely when you find when you actually find it. So, yeah, thank you. What, what fun. No, I, I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm glad there will be people listening to this who can learn from sort of your experiences as well. I hope so. And, you know, come say hello. Be nice. If you're not going to be nice, don't say hello. But if you are nice, if, if this resonates with you in any way, whether it, you identify with or it just helps you understand something, come say hi. <laughs> Huge thanks again to Samantha for choosing to discuss her queer identity with us for the first time publicly. We really appreciate everybody's stories, including those you've been sharing with us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer2Eternity. We're now two thirds of the way through our series. Next time we'll be joined by one of Samantha's older tortured co-stars. Until then, take care and as Samantha says, be nice. Subscribe to our podcast. You know, it's all about how to get the most out of your partner. And we're partners. So we know all about it. It's good. Get it wherever you want to get it when you go and get it from your podcast place. Richard and Greta. You know? You know? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 